0: And thank you for the download. It's Tuesday, December 12th, and this is episode 67 of the Marty Called podcast. I'm Tim Grassi, and today I'm joined by Skipper Ben. What's up, Ben?
1: Um, it's really nice of you. I, uh, th- I'm happy, uh, it, it means a lot to me that you want to do a trip report about my family's cruise, uh, over Thanksgiving tonight. This is, uh, it means a lot to me that you want to spend some time for me to talk about my trip and tell you how, uh, how it went and everything that we did on that. This is cool. I thanks for
0: thanks for giving me give me the time tonight tim i think that is why our listeners are tuning in uh unfortunately josh is unavailable this evening he is busy trying to get the little lights twinkling uh as he is every year this time of year so josh will not be joining us but should be joining us for our annual tradition of the inside the magic year in review show which is coming up soon so uh yeah Uh, uh, we're not here to talk about my trip no we can we can talk about your trip go for it you got uh you, you had a, a week on a so, boat, and yeah, did you, did you um, figure out where you actually stayed? Well, what port you went to? <laughs> we
1: it, it actually all started with us trying to figure out which website we wanted to use to book okay. the trip. Um, oh, I can so, go earlier
0: than that if, with my trip if you want to be a wise ass, <laughs> Is kayak.com still even <sighs> exist? Is that, is I don't that know if they did. I don't think Viama, the one that was the problem for me on my Japan trip, is still a thing. But... <laughs> So, before we get too deep into either trip, uh, I traveled on Black Friday, and there were deals to be had on Magic cards and the mobile game that I played, Marvel Contest of Champions. So, that was, like, trying to navigate that well in the airport and making sure that I was getting the right things, that was that was in itself a hurdle. I could probably do three hours on that. So, if you want, we can, go, we can start there.
1: <laughs> no, I'm good. Uh, a- how about we start where, like, you're... When you get to Disney World, we'll just skip uh, plane rides and taxi and so rental So, got there, and-
0: my mother... My- <laughs> Actually, that, that is it is true. Uh, so, my folks uh, joined us and at, we, were, at, we were traveling like nine deep uh, on some hold days. On, hold, on, hold on, Tim. Yeah.
1: I'm going to need this. Yeah,
0: you're going to get the beer? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Okay. So... They, uh, my folks traveled ahead of us. We were there from November 24th through December 6th. They actually went the day before Thanksgiving and got into a car accident, uh, on route four. So they, they started their trip off, uh, pretty, pretty darn well. But yeah, we were nine deep at times. There was 10 people in our traveling party, depending on the day. So we just had never had more than nine in any given day. But general takeaways, um, it was a solid trip. My girls slept, uh, with the exception of one night, my youngest Lily, uh, slept in the stroller six of the seven days during the day. And these are all things that we just did not know going in. And, uh, we, as the, as the trip progressed, we got better about timing things like dinner and her nap time. And one of the better things we did with kids, and I know everybody has their own thing that works for them, but we built in off days where we had no more than two park days in a row. So we could kind of unwind and in our in our mind it was just in case the girls don't sleep we can recover on those days but on the heels of the trip planning show i had mentioned that i was having foot issues. And we talked about shoes for a good five minutes. And uh, again, very appropriate for our show where we don't actually talk about Disney. So I'm going to continue doing that because I never got more positive feedback or more reaction to anything that I've said off topic on this show. Positive,
1: positive feet back. Feedback. <laughs> <laughs> <just said> there. <laughs>
0: Hilarious. Um, show title. Yeah. <laughs> but in all seriousness, I don't recall the last time my feet felt better. After seven days in the parks, uh, so a big approval, a big thumbs up to the Skechers Archfit shoes that I bought that are currently being discontinued, so I can't get any more of them because that's that's how I operate. <laughs> but uh, all in all, a very solid trip. And uh, as I am one to do, I've got uh, let's see, it's eight pages of notes here, so better better start off. <laughs> and uh, you said oh, you wanted to start God. with the actual parks. Sorry, Ben. That's not how we do things here. Ugh. Dollar Express no longer means express. <laughs> I don't know who you <laughs> rent cars with, but they—I was so pissed. We get to the airport, we go out to the garage, which has been the routine for the better part of the last fifteen years. And I get there, and they're like, "No, you got to go back into the counter." I was like, "Why?" I've got my reservation here. I was like, no, you got to go back into the counter. And unfortunately, there was a language barrier issue as well. Where when I asked when did this change, they said, oh, you want to change your reservation? No, I just want to know why a change was made. But that killed a good half hour trying to get our car. Normally with dollar at Orlando International Airport, you can, uh, if you're a Dollar Express member, which has no cost, you can just go right out to the garage. There's a car waiting for you and you're off property within, you know, five minutes of getting into the car. But that was not the case this time around. And when you've got uh, two kids that are under the age of four and luggage and trying to navigate all of that. It was a bit of a unnecessary hassle. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so we actually didn't start in the parks on that first full day, but we did go over to Toledo at Coronado. Uh, this I, sh- guy I should know how to say,
1: party or what?
0: Yeah, I know. Seriously. So Toledo is <laughs> the Disney like has shifted over to like the Amazon style of naming things for their restaurants, where they just have to list like ninety percent of the menu in it. So it's Toledo Tapas Steak and Seafood over at Coronado Springs. A couple of people had recommended it to us, and we had uh, a couple of Spanish restaurants that we that we went to. This was the first one. And I really enjoyed it. It's on the I think 16th floor of Coronado. You could see three parks from the uh, uh, from the dining room area. I actually had the worst seat in the entire place. I was like in a corner and facing away from the from the window. But
1: ah, so they they did get my request.
0: <laughs> well, actually, everybody else in the family had a good view. I just didn't. Um, <laughs> we so it's got a, like a traditional a la carte menu, but we effectively turned it into a family style. They have a... You
1: you just eating stuff off of other people's plates does not constitute family (laughs) style. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. That time we ate at Pizza Rizzo, you kept grabbing at my Caesar salad. It was sucked.
0: (laughs) One of the menu items uh, intended to serve two, probably serves three or four, uh, is called the... I'm going to butcher this. uh, Pun kind of intended. Periata de Cerdo Mixta, which uh, translates to mixed pork grill. It was pork done a few different ways. And one of them, uh, the most interesting one, was called the chuleta can-can, which is effectively like a fried pork chop served like a tomahawk steak. And it was dry, but it was delicious. And they did pork a few other ways, sausages and uh, slices of, uh, I guess, what do they call it? Iberico secreto de bellota. Iberico uh, pigs, if you're familiar with them, they are... Acorn-fed pigs in Spain. My father has described the taste of a ham as it's like bacon that went to college. It is delicious and it is incredibly pricey. So we had a sampling of that on this as well. We that was actually the uh, uh, the main the star of Haleo, which we where we went to later. But all in all, Toledo uh, was I think good for everybody from my twenty month old to my seventy five year old parents. Yes, it's a kind of an up, up upscale dining room, but not it's not Victoria and Alberts. It's still attainable. It's still in a Disney hotel, but uh, I think the girls did well there, and I certainly recommend everybody going over there. It's also no, it's also no chicken guy. But hey, it's it's not chicken guy. It's also not cheap either. Um, <laughs> there were there were seven of us.
1: Just, let's just start with an incredibly expensive meal before our, our yeah. vacation even starts. Let's yeah, get going.
0: Just, we we didn't crack four hundred bucks, but we were damn close. Oh it my was God. an expensive meal for the uh, what was it at that point, Seven of us. Your so, dad paid right? Uh, he actually did. A, there that you one. go. He, he he had the high score for. We just kind of alternated who was paying for things, and he got the high score there. Dad, uh, you get. This one I'll get cosmic rays. Yep, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so fast forward to the next night, and I think the next night or the night after that, we're trying to get Cracker Barrel off site. <laughs> <Good Lord, laughs> Which like oh. you can literally slash it's like thirty nine bucks to feed seven of us at Cracker Barrel and well, yeah, it's I think nine thousand a- calories.
1: We have a text message about that night, too. It went real well. But that's (laughs) for for our Cracker Barrel review episode. That's not for tonight.
0: Yeah, we failed at ordering dinner. When we didn't have a dinner scheduled at, like, a table service restaurant, the first few nights of the trip, we messed that up, uh, where trying to time the bedtime of my girls uh, just did not work out well. But... Anyway, moving on to the actual parks. Uh, how are we? We're about fifteen minutes into the show. That's it's better than the Japan trip report where we actually got into the parks. I think that was a good <laughs> hour and a half on that one. There's but, no minor league baseball you need to talk about before we could if you wanted to. Uh, no. there wasn't much baseball trade activity going on. So, <laughs> so you uh, didn't the, hang out at the Japan
1: pavilion for ten days to see where Otani signed?
0: No, no, that was uh, <laughs> that actually happened after we got back. But so the. The first park day, we had the Magic Kingdom fastest finger excitement, where Marie was trying to get Jungle Cruise, I was Gary, trying to Gary get would, Tron. Gary
1: would put in a really dirty joke right here, but yes, we'll, but, but you were are, high, we're, we're much higher, out on this show, yep, high class.
0: <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> the fastest finger was uh, myself <laughs> for Tron and Marie uh, Marie for Jungle Cruise, and the windows of time for the Jungle Cruise Lightning Lane and the Tron Virtual Queue. Estimated at 7.01 we we're within one minute of each other, which was awesome because those two attractions are nowhere near each other in the park. <laughs> but <laughs> we made it to the park, and uh I think we left the left the condo, we are standing off site at around 8:30, we're in the park by 9:15, 9:30, right as Tron was being called, and we still made the jungle cruise window. So got my first ride on Tron, uh, ended up riding it twice on the trip. The first time through, we didn't get the actual pre-show, which was kind of disappointing. We, we ultimately saw it later on. One of the things that I mentioned to Ben and Josh in our text thread was I actually don't think the ride is too short. Experiencing Mm-mm. it in person, again, we always say that YouTube is the best way to ride a ride. But uh, mm-hmm. you'd think that that's true, but it really isn't. You actually have to go on it to truly understand <laughs> how the ride yeah. works. But I- this... Um, it's a good ride, but because yeah. Cosmic Rewind exists, it's gonna be compared to Cosmic yeah. Rewind. And it's and it's not Cosmic Rewind.
1: No, but it, it doesn't have to be either. Like I, I, I remember coming back on my time riding it and uh I still like Cosmic Rewind more, but I really like Tron. Um and it felt you know, I I, I don't know, maybe it's just me all these years, but I've always thought Rock and Roller Coaster felt a little short. And yeah. Honestly, this is rock and roller coaster. Um, it, but it at even least though there's no feels- inversions, I actually
0: I actually think this is a little bit more intense than rock and roller coaster. Yeah. I don't know if you oh, feel yeah. the same way. Like there's no inversions on it, but I mean the the difference is I don't mind riding Tron rock and roller coaster. I did once on this trip, and yes. it's such a head banger. Yeah, like so I, I will fully admit to lying to my brother on a regular basis, <laughs> <laughs> and we regularly tell him he doesn't typically ask for it. But we'll regularly tell him stuff like that is is broken, and the way that Rock and Roller Coaster is situated <laughs> in that park, you can just tell him it's broken. You don't actually accidentally navigate your way back there. So we did that the first night that we were there, and deliberately, um, my mother, brother, and I went to Hollywood Studios that night, and it was just the three of us that went there. My father was feeling like shit, and I wanted to go there knowing that if my mother and I got on rise of the resistance that first night then when we went back to Hollywood Studios neither one of us would mind staying off with the girls because that's something that's the other thing we have to navigate when you've got two kids that are under 40 inches so I really want to
1: teach with- I really want to teach Matt how to use the app. <laughs> uh, so, it could really screw with your plans. He's probably going to be
0: better programming than, than you or me. So, <laughs> that, that, might, that might be a, uh, a benefit and re- alleviate some stress. But <laughs> Just call your bluff over and over. Exactly nope. exactly. nope. But Matt has his routine on that day one, and we navigated that pretty well up through uh, Winnie the Pooh. And my oldest, Emma, is almost four. Last year, we took her on Barnstormer. She was tall enough to do that and none of the other roller coasters. And she cried throughout the entire thing. She was freaked out. Whatever the circumstance was, whether it was the heights, the movement, I don't know. But she was not a fan. And we talked about it this year, and we said, if you want to try it, you can. And we went on Barnstorm, and she absolutely loved it. So Nice. We uh, talked about doing mind training. She could see it. She could see the visuals of it. And I think that, that actually helps quite a bit, that you can see it. But she didn't want to do it until Marie offered to ride with her. So getting to ride with Mom where mom had previously had to ride with younger sister on pretty much everything, was enough to convince her to do it. And she was screaming uh, happier than a pig in shit uh, the entire time. We ended up riding <laughs> mine train three times. So our oldest likes roller coasters, which is good. good. We also learned uh, going back to Toledo that our youngest Lily does not like heights. So the 16th floor of that made her quite nervous, and she was being held by her grandmother at that point in time, who also doesn't like guides. So it was, it was an interesting dynamic where it, uh, there were great views, but they did not want to get close to the edge at all. But
1: Yeah, it's fun when you learn their fears at a young age, because uh, yeah. it changes a lot of stuff, like uh, – we still haven't gone back to a hibachi restaurant um, <laughs> <laughs> in probably 10 years because of one experience. And, and honestly, You're afraid of onion volcanoes? Well, uh, just the fire, just the flame. And okay. it freaked my oldest out. And uh, I'm sure she would be fine now, but it actually took uh, hibachi restaurants completely out of our rotation, uh, including at Epcot. <laughs> that used to be a every visit we would dine there at least once. It's a good um, restaurant. I
0: haven't been there in a while.
1: Yeah. I, I love it. I think the food's fantastic there, but we have not done it in 10 plus years because of, uh, finding out one kid doesn't like fire, uh, that close to their face. So <laughs> yeah, get, get to a floor, a restaurant on the 16th floor of a building. It's, that's
0: uh, fun when you find out, uh, Oh, we've unlocked that fear. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, this was, uh, I mentioned rise of the resistance. We, I, I ended up going on it three times this trip, the way that it worked out. I, uh, I, I don't know how I conned my way into not staying off that at all. Um, but I, I got on it three times. Uh, two of the times we were on the elevator that faced the AT-ATs uh, head-on and the cannons weren't firing. And <laughs> But that was really the only thing other than like the other cannons that just haven't worked that, that was not working correctly on the ride. Like the Kylo was in A, a mode. Good. The probe droid was working. Everything else seemed to be in good working order. But I interestingly got a survey about the ride with open-ending questions like, did you notice things that weren't working? So I was able mm. to comment on mm-hmm. the larger cannons and the add ad cannons, etc. Yeah. But we actually went back and forth on this as well, that on a recent Disney Dish show, Len stated, and I think a lot of people glossed over this, that the Lightning Lane distribution was less than 300 per hour. And while I don't really believe that that number is correct, I think there's something missing from that detail. But if it is, and I understand his source on it, then our assumption on the individual Lightning Lane revenue is substantially less than we've kind of projected it out at. It's probably closer to $25 million annually, which isn't a ton of money in Disney's eyes. And that's for like uh, an attraction that's getting 20 bucks an hour, uh, $20 a head for 12 hours a day. So... Historically, like we've known that the fast pass split at merge was always two thirds fast pass to one third standby. But what Len was saying on that show was that the actual distribution of Lightning Lane was somewhere in like the 10 to 15 percent of an attraction's hourly capacity for some of those headliners, with the rest of that being made up by DAS or make goods from a ride being down or tours, and that really. That percentage is much lower than we anticipated. Which, as I said, it doesn't seem right. I would expect it to probably be in like the thirty to fifty percent range. But I mean, yeah. Len, Len did put it out there, and there's probably some validity to it. Uh, I just I don't think what he, I think the the overall takeaway is that that individual lightning lane money is probably not as substantial as the fan community believes it to be. And I thought that was at least an interesting takeaway here.
1: Well, it, it, that kind of makes you also think like, if it's not, then why do they do it? Is that, you know, <laughs> because if, money if it is money and money, but, money, money is money. But if it's if like, to me, it needs to be making a substantial amount of money to also counter the guest satisfaction or the,
0: uh, just this the all perception. Under I mean, like this all yeah. started under chapek where he couldn't give two shits about guest satisfaction. And, Old Bob is the same as the new Bob is the same as the old Bob, where, I mean, you look at something like this, and Bob Iger was also the guy that said, I don't control the price of churros. So how much of this is actually his commentary? I mean, he's he's talked the talk, but he hasn't walked the walk to steal a cliche where he's saying that a Disney vacation is too expensive. He doesn't give two shits. And I think he's probably looking at it as, if we cut this price, are we going to see the needle move? And I don't think he, I think they're looking at it as we might as well get people used to this because once you put a charge into place, you don't take it away if people are accepting it. And whenever the evolution of Lightning Lane takes place, presumably at the beginning of 2024, I anticipate that the individual Lightning Lanes will stay, that they will add an advanced booking component to it, and they will add tiers just to make it more complicated. Mm Mm-hmm. But anyway,
1: well, that that, I I think I was also what I was getting at was also I think those numbers numbers are low. I Uh, do, too. I I, I think think they're they're making substantially more money than what was kind of reported on that show. I think there's a lot more purchases happening. I think there's a lot more people being pushed to those lightning lanes. I don't know. I I think there's a lot of money being made off this.
0: If he had said that it was based off of like a thousand guests per hour capacity. I would buy that a little bit more because that would put the number closer to 30%. And again, we know that typically distribution at merge is two thirds in favor of the alternate queue. When? <laughs> I was
1: going to say, as somebody who's worked that merge. Yep. And I think, you know, next time you hit a merge point, just look around, see if there's anything being kept track of. Yep. Like there isn't, there is no accountability there. I remember when I worked merge at Jungle Cruise. It was whatever I wanted, like, and, and I'd be sh- So I think you know, that's
0: evolved. And I'll tell you about it later on in this trip report. But, yeah, continue.
1: I, I'm just saying that you rarely do you see a manager looking over the shoulder of somebody at merge or, or ever reporting back like, oh, this is what the ratio needs to be now.
0: I actually so, think that's changed. I, I truly do. And I'll, I'll tell you why. OK. Later on in the trip, we were at Tower of Terror and we had a, a lightning lane for it. Go through, get up to the merge point, and there's a guy that is bitching out a cast member. You may have seen that I posted to Twitter, be be nice to cast members, and this poor woman was getting yelled at by this guy who was in in the standby line, and he was asking questions like, how many uh, many fast passes or how many lightning lanes are you letting through to every standby? And she said, it's 10 to 1. And she had a definitive answer for that, Mm -hmm. which it would not surprise me if she had something on that monitor saying, we're backed up, and this is what you want to do, or she had somebody in her ear telling her. In this particular case, now in general, I don't doubt what you're saying. Yeah. A side note to this: uh, this guy did not stop bitching, and he ended up on our elevator. And, <laughs> and so he, so the weird thing with this, and I don't know that it's this particular woman's fault, but either way, she's doing her job. She's trying. You don't bitch out people that are making close to minimum wage. You just don't do it. Yeah. Uh, but when we got past the pre-show, our elevator was half full, and the attraction had like a 50-minute wait. So I suspect that there was some downtime in one of the pre-shows, because all four elevators were running, and they did load both pre-shows that we saw, but I suspect that they didn't, they had some sort of backup or cascade issue where one of the pre-shows was down, and that was further contributing to the problem. But this guy wanted to blame everything on this woman, and he did mention it to another cast member who just kind of Rolled his eyes, and I really I wanted to follow him out in the event that he like went across a manager and called her out, so I could just follow up immediately and say, "Yeah, uh, yeah, this guy's full of it." Hey, she I, was doing exactly what she be, <laughs> she should be doing.
1: I but, will say, you also your example though is one attraction that has, has historically seemed to run a pretty tight ship at the merge point. Yeah, most other attractions are not nearly. I want to say, I don't even know if strict's the right word, but that is one to where you do, it has always seemed like they've ran that one a little bit different at Merge than most other attractions. Um, Yeah. I will also say that is probably the most uncomfortable merge point of any attraction at Disney world because of how close yeah. those two lines are. That is uh, if they would never do that again, if they were, if they were designing a, a news tower, of terror. Yeah. 1994 be, design. They would have two completely separate entrances because that is just <laughs> way too close and way too obvious to both groups on how many people are going through at a time. Yeah. Uh, it's uh I, I mean, I look have a of uh, Soren
0: as another example where there is a, Definitive divider. Between there's a the wall. Two. Yep. Yeah. An absolute wall right there. So, uh, I did, I did get to go on Soaring Around the World, or not, sorry, not Soaring Around the World, rather, Soaring Over California, which is nice to see that. But nice. I learned on that first day in the studios that we, uh, you've probably done this. I think everybody has done this where you've got, you've paid for Photo Pass or you just paid for Lightning Lane and now you get the on-ride photos, but they don't sync. Uh, there's a couple, yeah. Uh, ones that are notorious for it. Slinky Dog is notorious for it. But I guess, or I learned this trip, there are PhotoPass areas at the front of each park, and if you go to those areas with some key information like the ride, the date, and the time, maybe even what you're wearing, they will find the photos for you and sync them to your account. Oh, yeah. didn't I didn't know that that you could do that.
1: Yeah, that goes across the board. We actually, uh, she's not working there now, but one of Lisa's old roommates from... Two thousand two, uh, stayed with the company for about fifteen years and worked in PhotoPass. Yeah. And yeah, that w- whenever we had an issue, we would contact Debbie and. She would, you know, what day, what time, you know, what attraction, give me, give me a ballpark time. Yeah. And that goes across the board for if, if you go get your pictures with a character and they never yeah. show up, go there and be like, hey, like three 30, we met Cinderella. They'll, they'll call it up immediately and they can just run through and like, oh, these are seven pictures and then put them on your photo pass. So, and that goes for when you leave the trip, there are ways to contact photo Pass even after your trip's over, and uh, you get home and you're seeing stuff's missing. They, they can, if you if you have an idea, and you know, honestly, you can look through your photo pass and be like, oh yeah, I was wearing a blue shirt, and she was wearing a green one, and about this time we did this ride, and and they can, more often than not, find that picture and put it put it onto your pass. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so we we did that. I did it day one, and then actually the very last day. So I learned that you could do it day one because I had asked somebody, I think after Tower of Terror, about it, and they said, "Oh yeah, you just go to the front of the park, and at the studios, yep. it's at Sid Coengas. Sid Coengas, Yep. Yep. At the Magic Kingdom, it is at like the near the Mickey uh, meet and greet mm-hmm. on the." Um, Tony's Town Square Expos- to side. Is that Exposition Hall or whatever it is now? Uh, whatever it's called. By my Tony's. <laughs> yeah, by Tony's is a better description. We know where Tony's is. Uh, for some I think Exposition Hall's on the other side, but I don't know. Anyway, by Tony's is is the appropriate yeah. answer. So we did that and basically got all of our PhotoPass photos. With the uh with the girls, I've paid for it the last few years and wanted to get the value out of it. And actually Slinky Dog was not the culprit this time around. But um <laughs> uh, so ben, we
1: we love Photo Pass. We get it. Well, you know, we whether it comes with tickets, whether we've had it over the years, or whether it comes kind of with APs, you know, came yeah. with APs and stuff. But even if it didn't, that's been a pretty immediate purchase uh, every single time. Because if you take the time to get your pictures done, yep. you, you you can get some really good value out of it. You honestly can. So that that's one we thing even, that... uh
0: We didn't even wait that long for PhotoPass photographers in the park. We just kind of picked no. up spots that if yeah. we saw... Somebody like you go around the castle at any point other than like pre fireworks, there's going to be 20 photo pass photographers yeah. there. Most of them won't have a line of more than like two groups. And well, we,
1: I don't think we waited more than one family yeah. any time <laughs> ever. Yeah, so yeah. Th-
0: this trip we didn't. I, I think on the last trip we might have waited for some photos in the animal kingdom like in Pandora at night. But other than that, like this trip, we might have waited for one family. We just kind of picked our spots and and did that. So we had a lot of photos from the photographers themselves, did some more meet and greets this time around, and uh, took advantage of it. There are several hundred photos that we got through it. So,
1: yeah, uh, no, it's a
0: good value.
1: I, I think it's a great value, honestly. Yeah, and buy,
0: uh, uh, buy it ahead of the trip, too, if you're going to do it. Yeah. It, you think you save like 40 or 50 bucks by doing it that way. And any, anybody that you're linked to... Can have their card yep. scanned and do it that way. So uh, my father didn't do it this time around, but last last year he remembered it. And like if he was off somewhere separate from us, he would get a family photo as well and do it.
1: Yeah, when my we when we do our here, when we do our fourteen family member you know trip every yeah. couple of years, we we all get it and we all utilize it and love it. So uh, in a world of Disney nickel and diming us for everything, this is. These are a couple nickels and dimes I don't mind giving up every trip.
0: (laughs) Ben mentioned this. This was the far and away most frustrating part of the trip, our attempts to get dinner at Cracker Barrel on (laughs) on our our first park night. So I won't go into too much detail other than the Cracker Barrel (laughs) website immediately gets flagged by any and all credit card companies if you're doing an out-of-state purchase and My wife was at the condo, my mother, brother, and I were in Hollywood Studios, and we were going to be picking up dinner, and my wife thought she put in an order, it never went through, I show up at Cracker Barrel, and there's no order to be had, and at this point, it's late enough where I just decided, we're going home, I'm not going to try to figure out or reorder everything, We'll figure out dinner for the adults later. I'll say goodbye to. I'll say goodnight to my girls and and do that. So we had we had Wendy's at like nine o'clock instead. So that was a nice gourmet dinner, and I believe one of two or three Wendy's meals as a dinner that we kind of did as a last minute option. We ultimately did get Cracker Barrel though. So for those that were. That were uh, uh, clamoring for that as part of my trip report. We did satisfy that itch later on, but
1: those are what I call wasted meals on a Disney trip, right there.
0: <laughs> I mean, so we were we were knocking out before by like seven or eight o'clock. Our, our youngest is done with the day at some time between six forty-five and seven thirty. So we knew that Lily is a ticking time bomb and we actually did push her a few days longer than that. But then there were other days where at six 45. She's like, Nope, I'm done. If you want to keep me here, I'm going to make everybody around you miserable. (laughs) So, but all in all, the girls did very well. So, uh, next day we did animal kingdom in Epcot. And this was one of a few days where we opted to not get genie plus the parks were dead at the beginning of this trip. So, we looked at animal kingdom as a park where we don't really need it we can navigate it without it and one of the first things we did was the moana meet and greet there and our youngest or I sorry our oldest Emma didn't know that that was a thing and we I had tried her at the princess fairy tale hall meet and greet the night before and it was Rapunzel and Tiana and she kind of knew who they were but didn't. So Rapunzel, they both had a braid, so that was something to talk about. Rapunzel also uh, looked to be about 14 years old, and I know that I'm old and think anybody younger than me is a teenager, but uh, Rapunzel was talking... Again, this is
1: why Gary would have an inappropriate joke, but we're gonna keep going.
0: So Rapunzel was talking (laughs) with Emma for a good two minutes. I asked Emma after the fact what she was talking about. She said, I don't know. (laughs) Rapunzel was going on and on, and then Emma was nervous about Tiana, and... Why? Honestly, I think it was that she had a much larger dress. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, you, you can infer whatever you want, but um, I know exactly what you're insinuating, and I don't think that's the case. But I Don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> the, the characters that she was fearful of. So she went to Moana, and she absolutely loved the Moana meet and greet. She was wearing a Moana dress for it. It was really pretty nice and sweet. Uh, she met with Fancy Nancy on another day. So that's a foam character, like a foam head character over in the animation courtyard. That was exciting to her. But then at the end of the trip, meeting Mickey, we were still nervous. So I don't know what it was. But she also, when she met Mickey, asked the question, why why isn't this Mickey talking? Why doesn't Fancy Nancy talk? And I didn't really have an answer to that. So, oh, well. The uh, Spaceship Earth, I want to talk about this, actually looked very, very good. Uh, it was hmm. in as good a shape as I remember. Spaceship Earth being pretty much everything was working, with the exception of the jib jab cartoons. Uh, Marie <laughs> had holes in her head. Darn! <laughs> but like all of the effects in the scenes, like the wheel was spinning in the newspaper "Civil War is Over" scene, it was it. And it was, this uh, was Michelangelo's consistent. arm moving? Michelangelo had like the subtle movement in his arm. Um, he
1: wait, wait. He had an arm because when I was there, he did not have an arm.
0: He he had an arm, <laughs> as did Snow White on Seven Doors Mind Train as well. She okay. was not dismembered on any of the three rides that we rode. <laughs> but no, Spaceship Earth was in good shape. I think maintenance-wise, most things looked pretty good. There were a handful of exceptions. I mentioned Rise of the Resistance as well. That same night, we went over to Journey of Water for the first time. It's a cool addition. Uh, we only actually walked through it at night. And I understand the people that have the sentiment that it doesn't fit into Epcot. But at the same time, look back at the history of projects that were greenlit and that weren't greenlit for the evolution of Epcot. Project Gemini had a rainforest roller coaster in front of the land pavilion. So really anything from the land to the seas, that entire stretch has been something that could be in Animal Kingdom or Epcot. There has been cross-pollination there, much in the same way that a lot of the Epcot attractions would be fitting uh, would fit well into Tomorrowland as well. I don't really—I mean, I understand the sentiment that it could fit into the Animal Kingdom, but this is also a new Epcot where we don't have a concrete wasteland in the center of that park. And later on, we extended our trip so that we could walk through the new gardens that they added, and they those gardens were nice. Yes, it has— uh, I'd say, a better vibe at night, but it's certainly better than what preceded it. The last 15 to 20 years of Epcot, the center part of that future world area was not good. It was not aesthetically mm-hmm. interesting. There was a pin cart there and not much else of substance. So what has opened is substantially better than what was there for the last 20 years. Yeah, And uh, I'll get into that more later, but Journey mm-hmm. of Water is... I, I hope that it's maintained. I, I hate to have to say that, but <laughs> <laughs> there were a couple of things where he said, the water's not feeling playful today. The girls loved it. We had a couple of instances where we were going back to Epcot where we had the bathing suits with us, but we didn't make it over there. I do think, though, that especially in the summer, this is going to be very popular, and you do get drenched. You don't even have to try. You can get soaked at this thing. But um, it's a it's a very nice addition. It's not going to move the needle attendance-wise, but it is a very good addition to that park. And sometimes it's those diversion things. I know when I was younger, and I'm sure you probably did the same thing, the post shows that some of these attractions were even more interesting than the attractions themselves. So think of this like that. Like this is the old image works, but it's with water. Think of it it that way.
1: Where can you get drenched at? Because I have not... uh seen it to where
0: you get drenched uh so i mean first off kids don't really understand what's going on so they're just willing to splash in it right but any of that like is gonna it's gonna give you kickback so anytime you're touching water it's going to hit you back um so there are things where you raise your hand up and the water comes to meet your hand but if you're a kid you, you try to hit the water, you know, that sort of thing. And then there's other areas where you're jumping and it'll kind of splash forward you towards you. And I mean, there are ways to do it where you don't get wet, but I think a kid is going to go into it, not timid yeah. and they're going to get wet. There's just no avoiding it.
1: Well, Gary mentioned number three on the show. I did recently do a uh, virtual uh, Walt Disney world video of journey of water with my, uh, Meta Quest 3 goggles and it was pretty darn cool. I, I do want to do this.
0: Yeah, it's it's a very good diversion. I think you look at the pseudo-diversions in the other parks, like in the Animal Kingdom, it's the animal walkthroughs. I'm still going to defer to an animal walkthrough because there's actual live creatures there to watch, but I would much rather do this than the treehouse. I mean, less stairs, first of all. Uh, as a fat guy you know that's that's one thing that's going to be a a variable but i think that's probably the level of theming you should think of or or level of involvement like that type of diversion or the epcot pavilion post show that the amount of time you spend here is akin to what you would spend in the world of motion or test track post show the old image works that sort of thing so cool yeah, so I, I uh, two thumbs up for the for the Grassy family for Journey of Water. I think it's a it's a good addition. And then we uh, we were joined this day, <laughs> excuse me, this day by Marie's mother and stepfather. And they have largely Oh, these are the ones you don't like, right? Yeah, these are the ones that I hate. Okay. (laughs) uh, They have been largely averse, uh, uh, largely against roller coasters. My uh, Marie's stepfather wouldn't go on Expedition Everest. He kind of tricked uh, Marie's mother into going on it. Uh, She asked the question, does it go go upside down? He said no, didn't mention (laughs) it going backwards, and she went on it once and it was done. So he had wanted to go on Guardians. He had heard how how good it is, how the technology of the ride works. And for me, I looked at it as, are you sure you want to do this? You're, you're like hesitant to go on Thunder Mountain. (laughs) And we went on this. This is a man that does not get giddy or excited about anything. We get off that ride. He shouts out, that was awesome. And (laughs) (laughs) Marie's mother will not be riding again. But her stepfather absolutely loved it. And we, we did it again later on on the trip. Like he—he's somebody that doesn't get giddy, and he—he he got legit giddy as a man in his late sixties could get riding Guardians. So, I mean, it's no secret that we—that we all love that attraction. I think it's a great addition. You can talk about thematic fit at all—all uh, all you want, but when the ride is as good as it is, even the purists like us that talk about thematic integrity, it generally gets uh, trumped by a good ride. And oh yeah. Uh, Guardians very much is that. So it was uh, an approval for somebody that was riding for the first time in uh, Marie's Stepfather. So This was your first time riding with a real soundtrack, right? Yeah, with a real soundtrack. We got Conga and September. And actually, it brought me back, too, because I was at the dentist today, and uh, September came on. So I got to (laughs) uh, have my teeth cleaned while thinking about Guardians of the Galaxy. So there you go.
1: (laughs) When he's like, "I'm gonna get your back teeth," you were like, "All the way
2: back." <laughs>
0: <laughs> Come on, that's good. Apparently, I, I didn't know this, and I I made a comment on Twitter. They actually do sell cake toast at the at the booth, uh, the um, the Joffrey's booth. I, at least I couldn't find any evidence of it because I don't have those menus <laughs> anywhere. But I made a comment, and uh, somebody, I think Steve Soares responded with, check the Joffrey's booth, they have it. So, if anybody can confirm that, that they have cake toast outside of Guardians of the Galaxy, um, I want to know how it is. I'll confirm it in March. (laughs) Okay. The the next day, we actually did in two parks, as I said. We paced everything out, never did more than two days in a row, but Marie and I took uh, that day off as an opportunity to go over to Universal City Walk and go to the Back to the Future Escape Room. So are you – have you ever done escape rooms or anything similar to them? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. So I've, I've never done one before. Um, when in Totally Blind, they sell it as something different than an escape room, but it was largely what I expected an escape room to be. I don't know how truly different they are. We didn't do great. It was only the two of us, which may not bode well for the future of these things.
1: Yeah. And, and any escape room is hard to do with two people. Uh, but
0: I think I think we understood the concept in each room and to uh, uh, to name drop here, we just ran out of time, which is the name yeah. of the actual escape room. So there are some things w- that were pretty clear on how to do it. and I don't want to spoil anything for people that want to go in blind because when this came out, I started watching things. and said, wait a minute. I want to do this. I don't want to learn or ruin anything. It's worth doing. I don't think you really need the Back to the Future background as I'm sure – any escape room wouldn't necessarily need that, but there is an underlying Back to the Future connection here. And I also suspect that somebody that has done escape rooms in the past wouldn't have any problem with it. It didn't seem overly difficult, but again, I don't—I have nothing to gauge it against. And I also did lousy. Um, but I, I failed <laughs> right from the get-go. I didn't realize there was free parking because I didn't read the email. So I get there and I see, oh, free parking. Now i got to go back to City walk, and I got to make my requisite trip to Guest Relations to get oh my parking my card. But good lord! Um, as a kind of similar experience, this is priced more. I think this was like fifty bucks a head. But I think the VR experience at Disney Springs was cooler, even though it was shorter. Um, I was also equally inept at both of them. But <laughs> if if you're a Back to the Future fan, and I assume the Jurassic Park one is is comparable, then it's worth doing. Were I mean, they an hour? Yeah, it was. I think it was technically fifty minutes with uh, in the actual escape rooms, but it was multiple rooms, and I, I think that's all that I really need to spoil. That you're going from uh, you're, there's a few different rooms that you're going through, and I don't know if that's a deviation from a normal escape room, but no,
1: that's usually quite typical. Yeah. Um, you move into various areas, yeah.
0: But it was it was enjoyable, and I imagine that some of the game mechanics were probably similar to things that somebody familiar with an escape room has seen. So uh, I didn't think that the concepts themselves were overly difficult. I I went in totally blind. Like there were uh, if you're familiar with Mark Rober's YouTube channel, I think he had a a way to uh, say beat any escape room like a bunch of tips for it and i deliberately didn't watch that and i watched pretty much everything on his channel i didn't watch anything else on the back to the future one because i just wanted to go in blind as a back to the future fan so i recommend doing it if you're looking for a super complicated escape room i highly doubt this is it but if you're a back to the future fan and have never done an escape room we enjoyed it so uh go ahead I, I was wondering, did you say it was like $50? What was the price point on this? I think so. I think so. So we, I don't know why this was anything other than the bottom of the barrel pricing, because there was nobody at the parks this time, but it was like a, a midday, and I think it was like 54 bucks. I believe they have price points that are a little bit lower, but. What was the, uh, how
1: many people were there
0: when y'all So. Went? There were only two of us in the group. It was just Marie and myself, I believe. With, can, cause they
1: had like a hotel. They have like a lobby and like yeah. a bar and all that. So was it? Was there anybody in there hanging out? Was it just like a? Were they Were they shocked to see you guys walk in?
0: <laughs> we I think have there, people I here. Think there was more staff in there than actual people. So there is a shop in there. There's a bar in there that didn't seem to be manned. There was a woman that was that had no inner monologue that had wandered in. And I just said to Marie, I really hope she's not in our group because I don't know that I'm going to be able to handle this woman for an hour. But she was just kind of like observing everything in the room. And I don't know that she was actually talking to anybody in particular other than maybe herself. Yeah.
1: But it, it seems like these things have cooled off in popularity yeah. there quickly, which is scary. Yeah. It also lends me to wonder if that area is uh, better off for like what they're doing in Vegas. Uh, have Like the the – maybe like a walk through yearly haunted experience. Maybe yeah. is better off than an hour long, getting a groups of people and try to work through something as opposed to like here, you know, pay this walk through for 10 minutes, come out here. We have two bars, drink, have fun. You know, they make money hand over fist with the horror stuff, uh, during that one period. That wouldn't uh, surprise
0: me at all. I, I, mean, I
1: wonder if the thing in Vegas works really well. If they go, we could do this in city walk year round and, and keep that kind of flavor of, of, the the horror you know the 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 horror fans that are there that love horror nights, give them something that they can do year round. if anything, I think the bars would be quite popular year round, uh even if people aren't going through the haunts. I don't know maybe, but uh it the 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 popularity of these, and then you're saying like nobody there uh that doesn't sound
0: good I mean again it was it was midday on a weekday, and it's. It's tucked away in the back of City Walk near Anta but to your point, like the the haunts have a draw in themselves. Mm-hmm. People aren't going to plan their trip around a Back to the Future thing. It's going to be a casual thing. Somebody's doing maybe to get away from the parks, and maybe the price point is too much. I don't know, but and it takes a lot of people to run those things. Yeah, uh, I mean they had to reset it. It's it's set yeah. up in a way that they can probably run groups every 10 to 15 minutes but again the But area somebody's got to be
1: monitoring each of those groups right. as they go through. It's not just a hey get going here you go and we'll see you in an hour. It's uh at least with any escape room I've done there's like a kind of a game master that's sitting yeah, over exactly. monitoring that group the whole time and they've got to be aware of is somebody's got to be dedicated to each group because I I don't know if you got stuck at any point, but that's pretty common in an escape room. Like yeah. they'll give hints, uh, yeah, they gave to help you move, move along. Yeah. 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 So, um, which means you gotta have confident.
0: somebody.
1: Yeah. But, but that means you gotta have somebody dedicated to your group for that 50 minutes. And right. if they're running right. every 15 minutes or so, that's, uh, an additional person, uh, dedicated to that group. So, you know, just from a cost perspective, they gotta, they've gotta run a good number of people through to, to justify the, the, just staffing over there so
0: yeah yeah absolutely I don't know I don't know it's I asked the question after the fact saying like look this is really cool but we're the only ones here and I don't know how many other ones you ran through here I don't know if that's if that's telling but
1: well and the other I think thing you may is, be onto is something
0: with a font yeah
1: <sighs> The ones that I've gone to and the, the ones that have worked have been like in malls. Like they, they, we have several around here that are set up in very high traffic areas, very popular areas. One at the uh, Grapevine Mills Mall where Meow Wolf is and all that stuff. Um, Beowulf. The key Meow, Beowulf. Um, but the key is like it's free to go to that mall, so sure. you can just go in and do it. Whereas these are set up in places where you know I did
0: have free parking. I just didn't know it. <laughs> You do have free parking,
1: but for the most part, the 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 vast majority of people that are at City Walk probably have already paid for like day admission to the parks as well. Yeah. Like they're invested heavy to do a lot of the stuff that's there. So asking like a you know, two of you for fifty minutes is a hundred bucks.
0: Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot something to consider though, if you're going over to Universal for a day or wanted to go for dinner, that pairing this with dinner, the free parking isn't nothing. That's thirty bucks. Mm -hmm. So to factor that in, if you were – if, say, the hang-up for going to dinner was you didn't want to pay 30 bucks over and above whatever the dinner cost was going to be, well, yes, it's you're paying free. more for another experience, but – city is
1: free after six, period. Is it? Okay. I believe so, okay. yeah. Yeah, okay. six or seven, uh, which is the draw to go eat dinner over there uh, yeah, yeah, at night is knowing if you do it late enough, you don't have to pay
0: uh, to park. So. I think you also get comped if you pay for movie tickets as well. Yeah, so. yeah. There, there's several things like that there. So we, we did that. We basically timed it with uh, Lily's nap time. We ran over there, and we, we just abandoned her. We uh, left her alone at the condo. Nobody else was there. <laughs> um, <laughs> we went to Haleo for dinner over at Disney Springs. Of the two Spanish restaurants we went to, I think this one was a little bit higher end. This is, uh, for those of you that are viewers of the Food Channel, this is Jose Andres' restaurant, and this was where the Iberico ham was the centerpiece of the restaurant. Um, It's still a Disney restaurant. They had a kid's menu, and we talked with our waiter about it, and he said, like, yes, it's a a kid's menu, but it's still, like, a little bit higher end. So, like, the grilled cheese was with goat cheese. Um, Our youngest, Lily, she liked it. Her three-and-a-half-year-old did not. But we did find some stuff for them. And (laughs) with that Iberico ham, to give you an idea of the price point, it is $40 an ounce. They effectively dismember a pig table side for you. They've got, They've got a, um, a shank at, uh, at your table. And this woman that was serving it to us was very delicately and precisely cutting out probably 10 small slices of this. And we looked around the table. All right, we've got two young girls, my brother who has who would just take like a fistful of all of this. At forty dollars an ounce, and just shove it in and not really have it touch his tongue. So I was like, "All right, none of you are getting any of this. It, this was exclusively shared by Marie, myself, and my parents." But it was very good. It's just it's pig that melts in your mouth. How much uh, was it? Forty bucks an ounce. We got one okay. ounce. Okay. Um,
1: See, we go to we go to this place called like Blaze Pizza. It's like six dollars a pizza. Yep, <laughs> it's a pretty good deal. Uh, it's like. A short walk from Haleo, um, but
0: hey, you do you. So this, it's a topless place. Don't get, I don't get any of that Amazon affiliate money. This <laughs> explains you, a lot. If you've been to a tapas restaurant, one like if you want to fill up, it's not you're not going to a buffet. You're you're sampling things. And a line that my father will use because we are not a particularly cultured group, the Grassy family, is you have to hit a drive through afterwards. And that probably <laughs> your, your wasn't dad's too like, far. "Where's the beef?" Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Like, he, he's going over to the Edison and getting the king cut a prime rib instead. I'm actually surprised that he didn't ask them to, uh, can you uh, get this uh, miracle ham well done, please? I want to cook this within an inch of its life. But uh, it was it was very good. And I would say of the two, Toledo and Haleo, Haleo is a little bit more higher end and probably more befitting of, like, a date night. Whereas I think Toledo is better accommodating to a group. But neither one of them are are great for kids but thankfully our girls did well at both of them so,
1: so i recommend then, both and then when was your victorian albert's reservation <laughs> that um, was later on that was later son on. of a
2: bitch spinning god <laughs>
1: <laughs> tim Next does time. tim does disney different than all of us
0: guys i know seriously similar dynamic uh with the with the magic kingdom fastest finger epcot fastest finger where ratatouille and guardians for Boarding group and lightning lane are nowhere near each other. And we ran into the exact same problem, but we ended up getting both. And I think with guardians, they're a little bit more flexible. Um, as in,
1: as in they don't care all day long. Yeah, they, that's they, the they nice, that's a nice thing there. We found that out the same way where you're like, oh my God. Uh, yeah. As long as you don't go before your boarding groups called, you'll, they'll, will will let you ride at any point the entire yeah. day.
0: So, I, I, I guess I misspoke earlier. This was the one where the boarding group estimate for the two things, Ratatouille and Guardians, were within a minute of each other. But oh, my Guardians, God. Start, let's start over. Start yeah, the podcast rewind. over. I'm sorry. We're going to go back oh to day my one. Oh, God. This sucks. <laughs> Something. Uh, this is going back to the photo pass thing. Several attractions and Guardians is one of them have QR codes for photos, and I've I don't never know got if, this thing to work. Ever. I actually did, so that's why I mentioned it. Because I think I tried last year. I think I saw it on Space yeah. Mountain last year, but it seems to it worked better for Guardians and it actually pulled the photo from a few nights earlier. So yeah, I
1: I don't have a picture from Guardians ever. Uh in okay. multiple It's not a great there. photo.
0: No, it's it sucks. Like <laughs> it's not a good one. But <laughs> think you take it with a Motorola roller razor as you go as you go by. <laughs> I,
1: I don't get why that one's so different than how they do it on all the other ones. I don't know why. Uh but yeah. it's a hassle and it's a pain. And if you miss that QR code, uh, you know, whatever. Uh but it, it even Tron if you had see it, it as well. Yeah, Tron has it. Um I, I just never Space got it to work. Yeah. I've never got it to work, but whatever.
0: So <laughs> the mistake for today, or for for this day. Emma got face paint over in Tomorrowland. And the woman that was doing it did a great job. And she asked, do you want glitter? And Emma has not had a great deal of face paint. And I, as the ignorant father, said, sure. And they pour a metric ton of glitter into her hair. And this stuff does not come off. Uh, (laughs) The face face paint came off pretty easily. But the glitter was everywhere for a week plus. So (laughs) parents with kids, when they ask you about glitter... Say not in the hair. You can get it off the face pretty easily, but gentlemen, if you've ever been to a strip club and you get the stripper dust all over you, it's hard to get that off. And this was just everywhere, all over, all over her hair. Um, the Josh, other thing that I found, <laughs>
1: our, our stripper dust expert's not here tonight, so yeah,
0: yeah, we'll, we'll check in with Josh after this. Yeah. But uh, it was twenty-eight bucks for the face paint, which is pretty darn steep. It's also done by a third party. Tim which does is Disney different than all of us. Yep, I'm on the Wakefield plan. It's not done by Disney. It's actually somebody that they contract out, which is interesting, and it might explain why, at least in Tomorrowland, there weren't really any Disney-related things that they were doing. But, and why
1: and why the artist was smoking a cigarette and cussing at your kid? <laughs> yep,
0: exactly. Actually, <laughs> uh, the the woman that did it was very nice, but it was sit down, uh, kid. <laughs> it was sit yeah. Still. The, the, the glitter got everywhere. It really did. <laughs> um. I mentioned that Emma rode Mine Train three times. She also rode Slinky Dog twice. So those are the two that she was tall enough to do. She's not 40 inches, but she does the 38-inch height requirement. So she could do those roller coasters, loved both of them, was screaming throughout all of them.
1: And then she did Velocicoaster.
0: And then we brought her over to Velocicoaster. We put lifts in her shoes and lied to the cast member. <laughs> exactly, exactly. As I mentioned earlier, we were bad at dinner. And we, what, we had hopped over to Epcot that next night, and apparently Sunshine Seasons stopped serving dinner. I hate dinner. you, Josh. I hate you so much, Josh. Keep going. <laughs> Sorry. Sunshine Seasons was one of the better places in Future World to get food for dinner. and Until Connections uh, open. And then once Connections open, they're like, nope, we're just not going to keep this open past 4 o'clock. There's nothing in like a quarter mile radius of that for quick service now, which no. is just dumb. So at 4 o'clock, Sunshine Seasons is done. And I would kind of understand this if, say, Soren was closed and Living with the Land was closing at 7. But no, the, both of those attractions are open till Park Close. So I don't understand why they're not doing this for dinner. They've got, like, grab-and-go stuff. And this is another Wendy's night, I believe. <laughs> so
1: I will say I get it, Sunshine and Seasons is good. Uh growing up it was a must. We ate there all the time. We loved it. <laughs> it was,
0: it's um, better now than it was. Oh, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. But I mean, I've said it a million times in the show. I freaking love connections. Connections uh, is a
0: really good quick service. I really never is. had
1: a bad meal there. The burgers there are good burgers, the bur- not just for thief. Yeah. yeah, their chicken sandwich. Is a fantastic chicken sandwich, not just for a th- theme park chicken sandwich, and their pizza is yes.
0: really freaking good. So And decent serving sizes, too. Absolutely.
1: And my girls are like, they have the best fries on property. I, I'm sure they serve the exact same fries, but... Um, but it feels better. They taste better. I, they I really mean, a, do. A, <laughs> and
0: huge, I, a huge step up from Electric Umbrella.
1: Yep. No, it's wow. it's a fantastic place.
0: I mean, yes, it's, it's close to traditional theme park fare in that sense, but it went from... Probably the worst in park mm-hmm. quick service to at least top five, mm-hmm. so that's a it's a huge huge improvement there. Oh yeah, but we
1: we it's a multiple time per visit place that we eat at now. Yeah, we, we did it. We, we did it, it twice. We did yeah. it
0: twice, especially because Sunshine Seasons wasn't open. So next day ended up uh, ended up I was gonna say, next day ended up being my birthday. We didn't predict that. And next day, next day was my birthday. We did breakfast at Boma, which is kind of been a thing we've done on. Most of these trips, and that's always good. And I had said, look, I want to go to Gideon's, and I don't care if anybody goes with me. I'm going to wait an hour for Gideon's. Uh, only about 20 minutes of it was in the sun, but <laughs> I, I, I ended up waiting about 70 minutes. They, As I was going into the building, that's when they started the virtual queue. So that was a nice kick in the nuts. But <laughs> they also indicated that that virtual queue was going to still have a 45-minute wait. But we actually didn't even try them until the next day because of that aforementioned boma breakfast, which is a buffet and very filling. But they could be the cookies could be revitalized to ten seconds in the microwave. Uh, you've had them, right? you've You've waited for them. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, so how do you think they compare to like a crumble cookie? Uh,
1: I, I like them better than crumble cookies. I like that I can go to a crumble cookie and it takes three minutes for me to yeah. get four of them and leave.
0: Um, That's exactly what I'm saying. I don't think they're worth the extra effort. Yeah, but they are—they so, are better. But I don't know that there's enough uh, of a difference.
1: I knew you were so set on going to Gideon's. I didn't want to dis- uh, uh alter your plans or or, or or give you any ideas. But like uh, on this last trip, we actually did Everglazed Donuts instead okay. of uh, Gideon's. Uh, no, Everglades no, is the one that's the West yep. side, right? Yep. Yeah, and we have do Voodoo Donuts uh, every time we go to CityWalk. Actually, we just found out a Voodoo Donuts just opened here in Dallas uh, a couple weeks ago. We are super stoked to go there in about a week. Um, and they're very good. You're going
0: to be after all these things open up.
1: <laughs> uh, Everglades, to me, they actually had more unique offerings. Like, like Gideon's has cool cookies and they're really good. But...
0: I do. Reasonably think priced too. I'll put that up here as well. Yeah. But uh, half pound cookies for like six bucks.
1: The cookies themselves, I think you can get at a lot of places that are somewhat comparable, taste-wise. Mm-hmm. I do think the setting in there is really cool. Uh, the yeah, theming inside is really neat. a stores
0: vibe, kind of a Harry Potter vibe, yeah. like a Diagon Alley type vibe. But, I mean, if
1: it, I guess it kind of depends on if you want a really good cookie or do you want something really over the top and unique, which we like to do a lot when we're on vacation. That's For, sure. for me, like Everglaze. you walked in there and you look at the donuts they offer and it's insane. Yeah. Just the most ridiculous donuts you could ever think of. And we got several and they were really, really, really good. So uh, I didn't want to say, hey, go, go try Everglaze. Cause I knew how much you wanted to try Gideon's uh, to me, Gideon's now that I've had it multiple times to me, if we walk by and there's no line, I'll go, Hey, let's go get some Gideon's. Yeah. But if I've got to sign up for virtual queue or if I've got to wait 30 minutes outside, uh, there's other things i'll go have uh especially I don't think when I
0: wait an hour for it again
1: nah and especially like you know on the the marketplace side or whatever they call it these days like you've got that new you've got the stand that has like the various dole whip flavors and the dole whip flights and like yeah, it, there's, there's a
0: plenty of dessert options there. there's and so
1: many options that we had a you don't couple have people to wait. come up to yeah. a,
0: to uh myself and others in line saying what are we waiting for here and it's a bakery there's like four other bakeries over here yeah, i know but yeah. this one's special
1: yeah. Uh the, the Everglazed, you walk in it's 2 minutes and you got your donut yeah. and you're walking outside. We'll have to uh, try that out next time? Yeah, it's really good. Uh th- yeah, there's so the the I always butcher the name the uh, the but, uh, but, but, uh, the French place. <laughs> Amaret uh, patisserie. Patisserie. Uh really cool
0: stuff in there, really good That's stuff. That's the one where they have like the ear hat cakes, right? Yeah, yep. Yeah. I, I wanted uh, to do that as well, and we may do that on a, on a subsequent trip where we get one of those. I mean, because those are decent sized and you can probably serve half a dozen people with those yeah. pretty easily And for I don't a similar know, price point.
1: Uh, actually, the place that's our go-to as a family now is my girls. It's like a must-do on every trip is uh, going to the ganachery, uh, okay. and we go get chocolate done that there. Before, it, yeah. It, yeah, we love the ganachery, and it's – again, you just walk right in and – your stuff's ready and you're ready to go. Uh, and they always have some season, like last time we had s'mores, like they have some really cool seasonal treats to go along with just the chocolate. Um, so Gideon's is very good. Don't get me wrong. I, we really, really, really enjoy it. I just don't know if I need to wait, uh, (laughs) in the line that it usually takes to get one of those compared to all the other options that are there.
0: There's a crumble, like 15 minutes from my house. Yeah. And, The – I think the best comparison, like take a crumble chocolate chip cookie and just cover the top of it with chocolate chocolate chips chips, and and you've got a Gideon's (laughs) cookie. Like that's pretty much what it is. The cookie itself – is similar quality and what gideon's does is they just layer the top of it with either the chocolate chips or whatever morsels you want um be the peanut butter be the white chocolate and that's pretty much the separator i think the cookies themselves are fundamentally very very similar and i'm sure there's some cookie connoisseur out there that i outweigh so screw you but that would say no they're vastly different and, and gideon's is far superior than crumble but whatever from a How does this taste standpoint? I didn't think there was enough of a difference to justify the weight. I will Mm. say that I thought Gideon's cookies were better, but not so much so that it justified the difference.
1: I will I will say Gideon's cookies do travel though.
0: They definitely (laughs) do. And and we brought some home. Yeah. They 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 last for days. Refrigerator, you can freeze them for six months, they said. So
1: yeah, no, they they definitely travel. Uh, so it's, we have brought those home as, uh, gifts for people, you know, watching our dogs or, uh, my dad picking us up from the airport. we brought them Gideon's back. So, uh, remember that if you do go near the end of your trip, buy a couple extra, bring them home. You have a little Disney at home.
0: Yeah, we did. Uh, so we were staying in a place that had a kitchen. We had Ziploc bags. We put each one individually in those Ziploc bags just for keeping them fresh. And we'll do something similar if we get... If we get like half a dozen crumble cookies, we'll do the same thing. Yeah. We'll put them in a Ziploc bag to just keep them fresh. Because um, they're, I mean, they're half pound cookies that are made to be split, made to be shared. So yeah. anyway, um, this night this as well was the first of two failed attempts to park in the Polynesian. Uh, this one, I think. You got to stop doing that. Ended a little bit better. I think I'm. I think I'm done. And yeah. I know that, like, we're not supposed to be, but in this case, we're trying to go to the bar there. We weren't. We weren't going to the Magic Kingdom. They the don't Magic care. King. I know that <laughs> the Magic Kingdom had a party, but we actually, uh, and again, I know we've got a podcast and a listenership and some responsibility to that, but it's no secret that people have been parking at the Poly. We don't. We aren't doing this to avoid paying for parking. We're doing this on. What diesel. is this? We the dark side park. of Disney? Exactly. But anyway, so we went to the Poly around like five thirty, five forty-five, and they tell, told us we couldn't park there. And usually when they say that, like, your Hail Mary is, hey, can we valet? And they'll let you do that. Um, But they sent us to the TTC. And this day, we we actually hadn't paid for parking. We hadn't been to a park. And... At the Magic Kingdom parking entrance, we told them, look, we're trying to go to the poly and they send us over here. First off, there's also, it's also poorly signed to get from like the poly back to the TTC, even though you can like throw a rock. A stone's throw away is actually the phrase, Tim. But if you're a stone's throw away from the actual parking lot. To get into the parking lot is not the easiest thing in the world to do now that they change the uh, the traffic patterns. But uh, we get to the parking entrance for the Magic Kingdom and I said, yeah, normally we charge, but don't worry about it. And when we got to, the TTC parking lot, we asked to be parked close to the poly, and we might have been 50 yards further than where we would have been if we parked at the poly, but it took us half an hour to get to that point in the TTC. And I know, I've parked over there because I've been with Gary, and he would um, park in a handicap spot, and it's right next to the poly, and that's just kind of the easier approach. But we got to the poly, I got my uh requisite ohana meal i didn't have an ohana reservation we went to tambu lounge and all of that was a non issue if you recall a few months ago they put a sign up saying that you got to be wait to be seated at the lounge but you can seat yourself at the bar that part was absolutely a non issue it was just simply parking there yeah and in at at ben's recommendation and at several people's recommendation we after eating at tambu lounge went over to riverside to see, um, to see, Ha Bob! Oh, he's and dead. <laughs> he's alive. I got my picture taken with him. Oh, he's alive. I was, not, alive. Holding new- I was oh. not holding a newspaper though, but in deference Photoshop. to, in deference to the security guard at the Poly, the security car, the security guard at Riverside did two minutes as Elmo from Sesame Street for some <laughs> reason. <laughs> we were just confused. Like, I, I mean, I guess I was entertained, but Yeehaw Bob is alive. We got there a good half hour, 45 minutes before he went on. And I think that was probably necessary for the night that we were going. It was a Friday night and it was a great show. Uh, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's a lot of Disney staples, a lot of nursery rhymes. It's very kid friendly. Uh-huh. I had suggested to my parents that they go over the next night and they were exhausted uh, from the day in the park, but I think that was the plan, and that would have been the last night that they could have gone over. So I think we sold them on going over. It's just something that with the two girls, we can't really go, because this first show is at 8.30, so it's going to be like one group is going to go, and then another group is going to go another night, but uh, right. definitely...
1: It isn't a lounge. It isn't a bar area. But anybody who's wanting to go, it is incredibly f- kid friendly. Like completely the, the, kid friendly. You, yeah. it, anybody can go. They can stay for both shows. Yeah. They can stay till the bar closes. You're not going to get pushed out of there. That you're not going to look get looked at weird for having your kids in a bar. Right. Um, it's completely completely family friendly.
0: They do have some food. We just got drinks because we had eaten, but. The other thing, too, like, Matt would have absolutely loved this, and I wish my parents had gone, but I certainly understand the next day, um, for whatever reason, like, I think every day and every trip in Disney, especially those that are a week long, have those days that just, like, nothing seems to line up right, and that was that next day where, you know, we had rides going down, timing shows incorrectly, all of that and uh, that doesn't of,
1: that doesn't happen to me but I'm a Disney expert but go ahead. That's whatever. that's fair.
0: Okay. But um and so an amateur like myself just yeah. whatever it was it was it was this one. Um Wait, so this was go ahead. We'll
1: be we'll be going back uh for Yeehaw, I, I think if you remember on our show, we that was one of the things I was super excited about staying at Riverside. Okay. It was like, we can just you walk can over and see yeah. Yeehaw. And like, we like stayed the week that he had off for vacation. Of course. Of uh, course. So <laughs> it absolutely sucked. And I mean, they had a guy that played there those nights, but he, he was fine, but he's not Yeehaw Bob. Yeah, exactly. Um, so for, for, for those four nights that he's typically there, it was nothing. And so we had to go, you know, we switched halfway through the trip and stayed like can't remember where we stayed. We switched we switched rooms or whatever though. Uh and so we had to go back on another night. And it was a night that Lisa and uh my youngest went back to the room early, and Abby and I stayed at Magic Kingdom for a while. And we stayed till uh I think park closed at 10 or whatever, and I was like, Oh my god, we can go, you know, we had a rental car so we could get over to Yeehaw for real quick, but we just got there for like his last four songs in the second yeah. set. But she absolutely loved it, and like it's already an absolute must do for her and at least on Elena, we were sending them videos and they're like, they were upset they missed it as well. But it's, uh, the intention was for them to see it. It just didn't not work out the days are at Riverside. But, uh, yeah, they, she, my oldest had a taste of it enough to be like, we're going back for a whole set next time.
0: It is a family friendly piano bar with Disney music and nursery rhymes and stuff that everybody's going to be familiar with and modern stuff, too. I think he was I think he's saying we don't talk about Bruno, but also saying, you know, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious as well. So there's some some range there as well.
1: Our favorite was he did the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean theme and uh, two waiters came out from the back with spatulas and we're sword fighting <laughs> with spatulas, and it sounded nope. just like swords. It was so funny. We Did we not just witnessed that. Oh, that we're dying funny. laughing at that one. So request that next time you're there. Okay,
0: I'll put it out there. But so he came around, and this is the other thing that I wasn't expecting. But if you're there ahead of the show, he comes around and finds out where everybody's from, and yep. make and personalizes each show. So uh, he had actually performed in the town that I live in. So he mentioned – he mentioned another town in Massachusetts and then performed in the town that I live in. So uh, I thought that was interesting. And and more accurately, I'm – like everything is named after Native Americans here. I have a very difficult town name to pronounce and he did that correctly as well. So more kudos to him for that. So
1: the crazy thing with him, if you had gone back the next night – yep. He would have remembered your name and where you're from and would have said hello to you over as you walked in that night. He, he would have gone, it's Tim. Tim was yep. here. Tim was. He has a memory like that. We, we, we've we done it before. It blew my dad's mind. He, the, the, I honestly think my dad thinks it's the coolest thing that's ever happened at <laughs> Disney World was the number of times he would go, it's Ken from Texas. Ken's here yeah, yeah. again. Come on in, Ken. Uh, he just thought that was the coolest thing over a week long stay. Uh, it was during our wedding. That's where our, our whole uh, wedding party stayed at uh, Riverside. And uh, he still talked. I mean, this is. Seventeen years ago, like he still talks about sure. this to this day about Yeehaw Bob remembering his name and where he's from. So yeah, that's a that's another cool thing. If you go back from multiple shows, that dude's got a fantastic memory and will will greet you as you come in and play it up during the show.
0: There's a couple of other recurring things without getting too deep into them that are just entertaining throughout it that you'll pick up on. You don't necessarily even need to be clued in on them ahead of time, but after uh, whatever this particular event is happens once or twice over the course of the evening, you'll pick up on it and just, it's a, it's a, everybody's having fun. That's what you want. That's the idea of all of this. The idea of Disney is to have a good time. It's free. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And it's It's, not gate checked at everything. (laughs) I, the comment that I made regularly uh, cause my brother likes a straw with every drink that he has. I have to ask for it when we're ordering meals. And I said, you've got them under lock and key, don't you? And one place didn't, maybe Pecos Bill. One, one of the places that we went to didn't have the straws under lock and key. But when I made that comment, they were laughing cause they, they don't want to give that type of stuff out. <laughs> but anyway. Well, y- y-
1: one last thing on Yeehaw. Uh, you know, we all he is still alive, but it's uh the one thing I can compare it with is, you know, we all kind of complain about like the new modern Disney and uh, like it loses some of what Disney used to be for us as we grew right. up and, and going to this is one of those old school it very classic Disney type deals. Completely. Like it, it, it's it's not an upcharge. It feels very genuine, it it's feels a value like something. Added
0: thing. It's a
1: value added thing, but the way he personalizes you and makes you a part of the show, uh, it just it just has that. It seems like this like little small sliver of classic Walt Disney World Resort that's still alive in a resort that has gotten rid of ninety nine percent of these kind of things. This is still there. If you like that old stuff, you miss that old stuff. Highly encourage you go stop there uh, and, and check out one of the weekend shows there uh, on your next trip.
0: This is going to be a weird comparison to it, but it is the opposite of the automatic cameras at meet and greets where <laughs> yeah. one of the things that we encountered with PhotoPass photo pass is those automatic cameras are fixed in a certain position and if, they're not good. And if interaction takes place outside of that fixed position, you're not yep. getting those photos. Yep. So this is absolutely a personalization thing and that type of stuff matters. So yep. I, yep. I hope that, these types of experiences are expanded upon. And I know that there were attempts to do that with something like Galaxy's Edge and the Galactic Star Cruiser in a different way, shape, or form. But you can just have a quality entertainer at a lounge, at a a resort, and have that satisfy the same number of guests in an evening and not have it behind a $5,000 a night paywall.
1: Did you just compare Yeehaw Bob to the Galactic Star Cruiser?
0: Think of the amount of people that he entertains on a nightly (laughs) basis and the cost point of that relative to the Galactic Star Cruiser. Uh, And how many people that went on the Galactic Star Cruiser raved about the Galactic Star Cruiser to the same extent that people rave about Yeehaw Bob?
1: Oh, great. I just got a survey. Would you pay $5,000 a (laughs) night to see Yeehaw Bob?
2: Shit.
0: Yeah. and They're they're listening. let, I'm not going to say that like Yeehaw Bob is the world's greatest entertainer, but we were entertained for an hour and a half, and it, as you said, didn't cost us anything other than the drinks we were consuming. So, yeah, th- there's
1: a handful of things that are still like that. He's still there. the The boardwalk performers uh, yeah. at night. You know, my God, as a as a kid, and I love those things. Like I wanted to leave the parks so I could go see a magician on the boardwalk. At, at, at you know, as we go back to our room, um, those things are really cool. I wish there were more of them. I hope we get back to that at some point. Uh, unfortunately, we tend to seem to be trending in the way that it's not. Uh, you know, it's like it's the old orchestra at the Grand Floridian walking in there and yep. seeing how cool that used to be. There are still a handful of those things the there. The Entertainment so,
0: Around World Showcase.
1: Yeah. Uh, oh, God. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I just encourage everybody to go do these things and see these things and, and, and you know, be a part of that crowd, because I think if they keep crowds, they'll keep those things around. And yeah. uh you I know. mean,
0: you've probably heard stories of Ron Schneider, who uh famously played Dreamfinder in the parks but did a number of other things that yeah. uh, I think uh I always mix it up. The Diamond Horseshoe, which one is in Disneyland? Golden horseshoes in Disneyland, right? Diamond Horseshoes in Florida. Right. But he was like an understudy of Wally Bogue and those types of entertainment venues where look at the number of people that you're entertaining with a more intimate experience and all of that is a good thing. The universal um, classic characters that I think he helped spearhead when you had uh, the Blues Brothers like run into a restaurant and just be totally off the wall we actually had something similar not the Blues Brothers mind you but we were at Oga's and the Stormtroopers coming in and disrupting things which was very entertaining it made, yeah. it made my girls nervous but we were entertained by it so those are the types uh, of things that you're going to get around to talking about more than your 10th ride on Pirates of the Caribbean and not that we don't love the attractions themselves but it is those secondary entertainment options uh, that are, are I- helpful
1: I used to be able to, you know, just watch *Streetmosphere* at Hollywood Studios for hours. Mm -hmm. I loved those shows and just following those characters around. And the fun part was if you got there at open, those storylines carried on throughout the day. So you could you could sit there and see what happens to start the day, and they keep playing off things that happen and building off those stories all day long. God, and that that's, you know, you're not you're not setting foot on one single attraction during that entire time. But my God, you're entertained and you're laughing and you're part of the show. I, I greatly miss that stuff.
0: The idea, and I'm going to go back to the Galactic Star Cruiser. This is now a total step away from the trip. Could you carry along those storylines in the park where you don't necessarily need to have active interaction with the guests of the park? But you could have those stories playing out throughout the day, as you just described, as a narrative of the day, and people can walk in and out of that story as they see fit. And those are the types of things that would just add value, add to the experience. But
1: that's what uh, Galaxy's Edge needs to be. I mean, right, right. I, I like Galaxy's Edge. I like the attractions in Galaxy's yep. Edge. I don't know if I like the land.
0: Yep. The land, it looks cool. I think the land is – I understand why they made that choice and I actually think it was the right choice relative to picking a single planet because it it has vibes of other planets. So I'm okay with that. But the thing that
1: it's missing is that vibe of that actually being a planet. Because okay. there are no inhabitants yeah, yeah, of that yeah. planet no, walking fair. around. That's fair. It, it literally just feels like I'm walking through Toy Story Land. Like it's yeah, a no, themed it Star the, Wars Land. If you had it needs characters, more kinetic
0: energy. It needs
1: if, the droids. It needs all that stuff. If you had characters that were just there and their only job was to interact with guests all day long. And I'm not talking about yep. Ray and Chewbacca and a Kylo Ren and two stormtroopers. Yeah, people that you don't know. I mean, know. spend some money and put them in there. And if you encounter that person at 9 a.m. and get the story going. I think people would gravitate towards that. I think people would hang out there all day long to follow these stories and, and get just a be dozen part of what,
0: characters and yeah. just have them free roaming. Some in the areas that guests can approach some in the, some in like, you know, working on a ship, whatever it may yeah. be. But gather a group. Hey, we got to go have have meet this present. person.
1: Yeah. Have them be a part of the atmosphere because right now, it looks like a theme park land. It doesn't feel like a planet. And that that's, that's the thing that it's missing. If you were able to add, I mean, shit, take all those equity actors that were in. Yeah. uh, You don't know where they're going to pop up. They could pop up in
0: Oga's. They could pop up in the the restaurant. Man. How much fun would that be to be at
1: Oga's having a drink and a guy, you know, comes up next to you and starts talking about, I just got back on this mission, blah, blah, blah. And it just carries on. That would be so much fun. So much fun.
0: No, that, that I completely agree. And I mean, there are, there are components of it, but again, not to the same extent that, it, that not it should enough. Be.
1: Yeah, not and enough. And
0: that was that is something that Universal did, especially with their classic characters. I mean, the fact that they still have the Blues Brothers roaming around, and they primarily just do that show, but they will on yeah. occasion like run into what what's the is it Finnegan's what's the restaurant? Yeah, Finnegan's. They'll, they'll like run in there like just all frantic about something, and it happens periodically, and that's going to make somebody's vacation. So yep. Yeah. Um. You, you mentioned the rides there. Emma went on Smuggler's Run. She was the pilot. She didn't really want to do it again. I don't know that... I, just, I don't think she disliked it. I just think it was kind of a... Uh, the ship was driving crazy, is what she said. So, <laughs> much like Josh's takeaway from it, she didn't like how it handled. And uh, she wants something that's a little bit more realistic from a flight simulator standpoint. But... <laughs> Um, speaking of Josh, I want to go. Did back she complain?
1: To this. Did she complain about the upsy-downsy and lefty righties? And I think
0: so. Yeah, yeah. It's uh-huh. Not
2: realistic.
0: <laughs> I want to go back to Josh because the net, this day after after we were shut out at the poly. Or, all right, uh, what's the George Bush line that he butchered? Uh, fool me once, shame on you. Fool, fool me, me twice. Won't yeah, okay, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll get pulled again. Yeah, something like that. So. Uh, <laughs> Day after we had that off day for my birthday, we went Animal Kingdom and Magic Kingdom. We didn't pay for Genie Plus that day because we knew at the Magic Kingdom we weren't going to do things that really necessitated it. We did the train. We did Country Bears. We did Tiki Room. But over at Animal Kingdom, that was where we kind of had, like, an an inefficient day. But we went over to hop to the Magic Kingdom, tried to park at the Poly, and were shut out. They were at least nicer about it this time around. But going to the TTC, like, that is... Such a barren wasteland. Josh, you're wrong. And I know you're not here to defend yourself, so I'm going to go into <laughs> even worse here. This is not good storytelling. It is frustrating and inconvenient.
1: And, and it just is- a, a, qu- a quick timeout. This is going to be a show when Josh gets back. The, the, yeah. This is our rant yeah. of it right now because Tim and I are lockstep on this. Uh, <laughs> but we are going to address this with Josh at some point. So I know he's not here to defend himself. But go ahead, Tim. We will say we whatever Tim says here, we will say to Josh's face as well.
0: It is a 146-acre parking lot that has two tram lines, each of which makes two fucking stops. That's it. That's what you've got to navigate 146 acres. Josh's favorite part of a story is a three-hour drive to the pitch meeting when he's stuck in traffic. This is such a shitty way to start off your day at the Magic Kingdom. This is the trailers
1: playing before the movie, Tim.
0: (laughs) It is so awful. I mean, Universal has the... Has the parking garages and the the walking the moving pathways here? I would welcome that because I think you can consolidate things here. I recognize that this is if if it's not the biggest parking lot in the country, it's pretty damn close. As I say, this is your fourth gate. This is got there's <laughs> got to be a better way. It's, it's, and, there has to be, and I we've we've talked about this a little bit. This is, uh, I mean, take away the Josh storytelling side of it. <laughs> I, th- I think what we need to do is like there needs to be a better way to park at the Magic Kingdom. Enough yep. of this shit. Like, yep.
1: <laughs> it's and, enough. Uh, it's enough to make you not want to go to the Magic
0: Kingdom. Completely,
1: completely. And that sh- no parking lot should ever be that.
0: that so, that's like
1: that's like busy malls at Christmas. You don't go there because parking sucks. Uh, that that's. Uh, that's how I feel about the Magic Kingdom, especially if I have a car. And honestly, the buses and all that shit ain't that much better either. It, it's, it is a, they've got to rethink all this stuff. Every other park does it way better than what they do over here.
0: And you can walk in at every other park. And yep. when you've got a double stroller, which is a factor that, you know, five years ago was a non factor for me, like I could just hop on the tram. But now yep. I've got a stroller that uh, needs to be folded up, and that is inconvenient. And thankfully, my parents were with us because so they could entertain Emma and Marie could just be responsible for Lily and I could just be responsible for the stroller. But if you've got a situation where you're like, you got a zone defense, three kids, two parents, you're getting on the, you're getting on here and you've got, you got a stroller, you're effed. Like, there's no way around it. And I, one of the things that they mentioned at the poly, and I get it, is, I mean, first off, they don't want people parking there. That's, that's not the way that they designed it. But any any place that has a Skyliner and a monorail now, they are going to gatekeep and yeah. not let you go there. And we ran into this last year at Caribbean Beach on an off day. We basically wanted to look around and resort hop and they wouldn't let us go to Caribbean beach, which admittedly we weren't going to Caribbean beach to look around. We were going there to ride the Skyliner a, a little bit and use that as a jumping off point to art of animation and, and that sort of thing. But all of that is just another barrier. And the TTC needs I just to got, be, needs to be redesigned, needs to be. I just got rethought. our answer.
1: Tim, I just got our answer.
0: Okay. What is
1: it? So, for me, a parking lot, it should only have one mode of transportation to get you to the gate or a walking option. That's every parking lot. that You should not have to take a mode of transportation to another another mode mode of transportation transportation. to get you to the front gate. Yeah. In the middle of that freaking parking lot, they just need to do a to and from Skyliner station. Yeah. That's but your even- answer right there. It flies right over the TTC. It's, it's in the middle. Goes over the TTC. Goes over Seven Seas Lagoon, and it takes you right to the front gate of the Magic Kingdom. You and as you leave, if you need to go back to the parking lot, you get in a gondola, and it takes you right there. Just that's your answer. Is a gondola system that is the only route. Is parking lot to front gate and front gate back to parking lot.
0: And if they do that, they eliminate the monorail, and you pissed off that crowd. I don't so- care. That I don't <laughs> care anymore. Who cares? I- The um, and we looked at it when we we talked. We did a transportation show that a direct line from the TTC to like the bus terminal area of the Magic Kingdom is possible. But the most logical spot, at least that we were discussing there, was I believe if you're facing the Magic Kingdom from the TTC, that the logical spot for a Skyliner. Uh, station was to the right of basically the everything at, at the TTC. But if you're putting it smack dab in the middle of the parking lot, then but, yeah. Right. If you
1: add the the gondola station to the TTC to go to the bus station, you're still doing motor transportation yeah. to motor transportation to front well, the gate. bus
0: station is walking. So from like the, the when I say the bus station, I mean the bus station at the Magic Kingdom, like the bus. But people you saying,
1: you're saying the TTC at you're saying the gondola station at the TTC to the bus station. So I'm you're still. I'm. I'm saying that you still got to take a tram to the TTC, and then to get on the gondola to go over to the buses and walk over, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. You would have I, to take I, a tram. I want
1: to I wanna eliminate the tram. That's that's my biggest pain in the well, ass. They, Disney tried to do tram. that post
0: COVID. They just and, got rid and of the tram. That's <laughs> that's
1: what really opened our all of our eyes about how much yeah. the TTC sucks. Was when that yeah. tram's not going. That's miserable. Yes. But if you if you put a gondola station right in the middle to where it's not very far to walk from anywhere, I think the same distance would be, uh, you know, from a far car sp- uh, parking spot at Hollywood Studios to their tram station. I think I don't you know.
0: Would- the only thing is I don't know if a like the, the gondola system that they currently have could accommodate it. I think they would literally have to double or triple the I- capacity of that gondola station.
1: That's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's, that's cheaper than a new monorail line Monorail car <laughs> You're not wrong you could, you, you could easily do three And a, the, a gondola going over Seven Seas Lagoon Would be if pretty darn cool
0: three, It's going to probably be no no Because it would be the same path there and back So yeah it's not a situation Where you have to be an even number It's going to be
1: I, And I guess the uh, Yeah you do three do four Two out two back at all times <laughs> yeah. whatever But it's still a cheaper option uh, there, I don't think any of us are convinced they're going to replace the monorails anytime soon that this would get, this would be built and running before they got new monorails. If they were to make a move on it today.
0: Yeah. And we then, can do a deeper dive on this. We're already, I'm going to, I know, cause I'm going to get the shit for it. We're already an hour and a half in <laughs> and I've got 19 more days to go through. So we're let's not focus too much on how much the TTC sucks. Just know that it does.
1: Let's just uh-huh. go over. Uh, no. <laughs> Anywho. Yeah. It's, uh. Yeah, there's something to this. We figured it out. We've solved all the problems. Let's go.
0: We did. I mean, This isn't the first time we've mentioned a Skyliner from the TTC. It's just a matter of placement and logistics of it. But anyway. Get uh, rid of the we tram. Did, we, we, did the, um, we did the train for the first time or probably five years because it hasn't been opened. Uh, rode the Lily Bell as well, which is noteworthy. Uh, Emma liked Country Bears and she she's previously been on the TQ Room, but she hasn't seen Country Bears before. Uh, that shows trash. They need to update those animatronics significantly. Stop it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not trash. It's, it's basically um, Chuck E. Cheese it's level. It's fine. It's <laughs> fine. The uh, the next day, this is when I witnessed that Tower of Terror guy getting, uh, harassing, uh, or sorry, the, the guy uh, harassing Casimir in Tower of Terror uh we got to go on the skyliner in the rain the uh the ventilation does not shut out the rain but (laughs) it was a um really the most noteworthy thing was that guy being an asshole to a cast member and uh much like ben said my other note here is a connection cafe is a very good quality addition to epcot i know that when it opened they kind of stripped down the menu but the burgers are definitely better than typical Disney burgers, and the pizzas are actually a good value because they give you two slices for the adult yeah. meal. I think it's like twelve or thirteen bucks, and I know like you figure like the a large pizzas, you know 20, 25 bucks, but these are substantial slices. It's, it's probably like a normal sized large pizza cut into six slices, is my guess, and then you get it's two of them. Better than the pizza window at Via Napoli. Okay. I, I haven't actually tried that. I like the yep. quite a bit, but I, I haven't tried I, the, the Annapoli desserts. is better
1: pizza if, if, in the sit down, but the pizza window uh, connections has better pizza than the, that pizza window. Cause the, the pizza window is not the same that you get inside the restaurant.
0: Okay. Next day was an off day. My it's not better
1: than pizza Rizzo though. Pizza Rizzo is still the best Pizza, pizza Rizzo's on property.
0: You're eating a sponge with tomato sauce on it. Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> my it, it is the ttc at pizza places the how many uh, times did you go Rizzo none oh. we did uh docking bay seven twice for food and at the studio never i've never eaten at docking bay seven docking bay seven's good actually food no uh did we do it twice no we only did it once and then we did abc commissary quick service at the studios has improved significantly it used to be the worst of the four parks now that's the magic kingdom without fail but
1: I, I will say, on a technicality, I have done docking base seven by uh, when the Ronto wrap window is closed, and the only way you can get one is through uh, docking base seven. I have mobile ordered to do that, but uh, gotcha. Lisa got to go to galaxy's edge right after it opened at disneyland and they had a meal there for the travel agents and she did not like it okay. and my wife is one if she has one bad meal anywhere she will never give it another <laughs> try so i've never got to actually sit down and eat in docking bay seven because of her one bad meal uh right after open of galaxy's edge in california give it a shot,
0: actually i had the um the impossible meat or whatever, whatever they use for a meat substitute meatballs that were quite good. with Like a. Hummus See, I plate. like,
1: I like real meat. So that probably, I do as well, but they in, didn't have real meat
0: meatballs <laughs> and these were <laughs> in the I will say,
1: so. Outside of the Ronto wrap, there's nothing on there that I'm just like, Oh, I have to try this. Cause I am relatively boring when it comes to my food options. Uh, I don't like pigs carved right in front of me at table side um, <laughs> at $40 an ounce. But, uh, so I'm sure I would enjoy stuff there, but, uh, uh, yeah, I'm I'm not super adventurous either, uh, especially when Pizza Rizzo's right down the street.
0: The uh, the next ne- <laughs> next day, the only thing we had, I'm ignoring that, uh, was Sebastian's Bistro. This was, we we're kind of rolling the dice here because again- This was an odd choice. So you gave me shit about this, and we talked about this in the last show just because it was Caribbean Beach. We had a 620 reservation. We showed up around like five in hopes of getting in early- <laughs> we're we're waiting in the lobby for everybody because we had, I think, three separate cars going here. And a, a cast member saw my Epcot shirt and came over to talk to me. So cast yeah. member Scott uh, from the Boston area, I don't remember where exactly he was from. We must have talked with Scott for half an hour. And I was kind of like in and out of the conversation, chasing the girls who had a couple of things that were entertaining them. And my mother can talk. I can talk, as you've noticed by this hour seven of this podcast. But we, we actually didn't get over to the restaurant until like 5.20, 5.30 because we were talking with Scott. But uh, we didn't get in any earlier than we were anticipating and maybe five minutes ahead of it. Uh, food was excellent. The service was slow and it didn't seem like they were overwhelmed, but... It was like two hours for family style, which to me seems slow. They were
1: they were shocked to have anybody eating there. They're not used to having customers. I mean,
0: the restaurant was probably seventy five percent full, but it was just kind of random things like they're bringing out it was the same, audio animatronics, same plate of food for everybody, and we did have uh, my aunt join us who has a gluten allergy. But I think of the like three or four courses, only two of them had gluten in them. So the dessert was a bread pudding, so that obviously had gluten in it. And then I think there was something in uh, the bread. The bread service had uh, had gluten in it, obviously. So those are the only two things that she had to have, like, a specialized menu for. But it just seemed that the service was slow. But the food was great. Uh, the, the meat plate that they brought out had uh, filet on it, had uh, very well-spiced chicken, pork, and salmon, I believe. Maybe a whitefish. But... Um, the bread pudding at the end was what i went there for it was a pineapple coconut bread pudding and we had a table of eight and they brought out one serving and i said dude you're gonna need more than that and that one serving was gone divvied up probably within three minutes of it being brought out and it was another 10 minutes for him to bring out another one um so again kind of uh, reflective of the uh, the the slower service, but I'd go back to Sebastian's Bistro again for the food. But I hope they were just having an off night from a service standpoint. I know, like at Ohana or some of the other family style places, they're cranking people in and out of there because the turnaround uh, on those tables is is worth money. This is actually one of the lower price ones too. I think it was like thirty five bucks a head, which oh. might be why their motivation was a little bit lower. But
1: speaking of Ohana, you were there long enough. Did Bergen show up to?
0: Uh get catch up on any of his bed meals or no, that did not happen. That's no. Okay. Damn. (laughs) One of these days he'll catch up. So we had extended our trip in order to see luminous in order to see, we kind of assumed that Epcot would open up and this was our last park day. So we started at the magic kingdom. We had Matt's requisite magic kingdom routine and because we were already duped twice, we parked at Epcot instead of the Poly. And I think that's going to be our new normal where uh, it takes probably another half hour or so in the morning, maybe even 45 minutes. But the time savings at the end of the day is worth it. And if you're going to hop between those two parks, it just makes a ton of sense. We had done this earlier uh, earlier in the trip because we were, we were at Epcot and very close to the front gate and we were hopping over to Magic Kingdom later. That we just decided why move the car? It's going to be relatively quick to do this. You mean, you mean car? Say it it right. The car. Sorry, yes. Why move the car? That's how Scott would say it. But (laughs) we, uh, similarly, early boarding group for Tron, you got to structure your day around that. And because Matt's day wants to start a jungle cruise, those two things are nowhere near each other. But the hopping over to Epcot around four. Road, Spaceship Earth and then just explored the new World Celebration area. There is a significant improvement here. There's a lot of different textures and rust that I think people didn't really like. Zach Ridley got to max out his Lumber Liquidators card. He definitely had his say in the various terrain textures that are around here. But it has that college campus, tech company campus vibe. And that's really kind of been their style choice for hotels and other things aesthetically that don't have a movie as the source material for it. So it's interesting how it looks now. I wonder how long it'll be before it's infiltrated with festival booths. Cause I think that's the idea here, but right now because there's enough interest in just seeing the new area, they don't really have room for that sort of thing. But as that ultimately dissipates and this seating area becomes a festival area. It'll be interesting to see how it how it kind of shakes out. But because we were there on day one, you saw every blogger in the world there. Uh, ran into Gary who was chatting it up with Jeff Lang. We uh, passed Lou Mangiello and probably several others that I didn't recognize. But the best thing about did you yell this, anything
1: obscene at Lou? Or
0: I didn't this time. The restraining order has lapsed, but other <laughs> the. Uh,
1: If you don't yell anything obscene at Lou in the parks, did you actually ever really see him? That's a that's a question we all ask ourselves. Honestly,
0: I kind of forgot that he was a thing. I see him like every two years at the at the D twenty three Expo. He's got a booth and like he kind of hides there, but not really hides. He schmoozes with people there. But
1: he he does say the same thing about you on his podcast. Well, he has no idea who I am, and I'm
0: okay with that. But (laughs) (laughs) the uh, the best part about this is the nighttime integration with the Spaceship Earth lighting package, it really works well. And I know there's been some showcasing of, like, durability or some of these lights being out. (laughs) I, I sincerely hope that this is something that is just maintained pretty well. I mean, like, lighting is something that Disney has done very well over the last five to seven years. And I think it's just as lighting itself has improved dramatically that you can do more interesting things with it. And I hope that this stays because it really like how popular were those beacons of light on spaceship earth? It's just, that was a home run in deference to the firework shows that they ran out the last few years. And this is just an extension of that, which is a very good thing to me. But
1: it is pretty funny that they were already showing up broken, like literally yeah, the next damn. day, uh, which is a little scary.
0: I mean, again, I, I hope that especially when this thing just opened a week ago, that you've got a maintenance crew that's going to be on top of it and can perhaps figure out why something like that broke right away. And it's well, not I mean, a situation. If, any, you,
1: if anything, Disney over the last you know five to ten years has given us a lot of faith that they're they'll maintain things uh, really top <laughs> I mean, notch. So you I'm, sure, I'm, sure I'm sure they're all over
0: it. Like to your to your point, obviously, I recognize that this was happening a year from its installation, and that's one thing. But typically, like the first month they've got things like, all right, let's figure out what effects are going to work, what effects aren't. This is lighting, and this shouldn't be a tall order. But it's still, when it's effectively working, a very cool thing. But uh, I think all, all in all, it's a positive that they made this evolution to the center part of Epcot. And the other reason why we stayed, the primary reason why we stayed an extra couple of days was to see Luminous for the first time. So ended up watching this. Um, my folks had the girls. Matt, Marie, and I stayed in. We met up with Gary, met up with a couple of other friends, Jalen Harvey, Joey Alba. They had friends who may or may not be listeners, so we can't talk about them. But uh, Brass Tacks, it's the best nighttime show in Epcot in the last four years. It's better yeah. than Harmonious. It's better than Epcot Forever. The, there's several <laughs> There's several good things about it. The barges are brought out nightly. I don't think they did that on the first night, but uh, they're not a visual intrusion during the daytime. It can be viewed anywhere around World Showcase, and once the initial rush has died down, you can show up like seconds before like you could with Illuminations because there's nothing really at water level that you have to see. So it's something where the visual angle that was a problem with Harmonious that won't be a problem with this show. You don't need to be in the front row at all. Uh, I'd love to hear a shell count for all of the recent Epcot Fireworks shows. This, like Illuminations and other shows before it, has its pyro-light times. They rely on fountains a lot in this. But I do think they definitely heard the note that Harmonious didn't have a unifying thread, so they hit on like the more unites us and divides us trope very Reflections of Earth-esque in that respect, or even like the Black Panther UN speech for that, and even though it featured songs from Disney movies, in many cases they were instrumental versions of those songs from some of the popular movies like Aladdin, Toy Story, and Frozen 2, so like Into the Unknown has an iconic opening to it, but they never actually say the line Into the Unknown, they just kind of play that iconic opening, and part of that is the familiarity, but if they're going to use IP-based or movie-based music, they used it moderately, sparingly. Even though it was the crux of the show, they they used more instrumental versions in some cases, which I think helps because something like Aladdin and Toy Story, Friend in Me or Friend Like Me, and uh, You've Got a Friend in Me uh, are iconic songs that don't really feel Epcot to me, even though they're befitting of the story that Luminous is telling. So. All in all, I would have preferred 100% original, and they did have two original songs here. But I think compared to what it replaced in Harmonious and Epcot Forever, it's definitely better. It still does use IP-based music though, and while the closing song was an original for the show, it's a little bit weird hearing pop music in Epcot uh, as like a fireworks show thing. Like we we think we associate that with the Magic Kingdom. I don't know if that's maybe me or if you think that works, but. I kind of think of more grandiose things for uh, befitting of an Epcot thing. And that's my reflections of earth mentality. And I also don't know that it had any of those like wow moments that say Illuminations has, or even like people knocked the kites in Epcot forever. The kites was at least a unique moment. This was a very safe show. And In fairness, like, the safe approach here still produced a better show than Harmonious. (laughs) That being said, it's not Reflections of Earth. I know that I'm beating a a dead horse here, but Reflections of Earth was so good, and this doesn't come close to to topping it. It wasn't a perfect show. It was also technologically antiquated relative to Harmonious and Luminous, but it still delivered on what it needed to deliver on. It still satisfied the end of your day at Epcot. And I know that even in year 15 of Reflections of Earth, I would go out of my way to make sure that I saw it at least twice per trip. I don't see myself going out of my way to see this multiple times per trip. Uh, I also don't see this lasting five years, but it's going to last longer than Harmonious. Unless something like catastrophic happens, it's going to last longer than Harmonious, which is not a tall order. But, um... (laughs) I think the reality of all of this is if Reflections of Earth got 50% of the technology upgrades that Luminous or Harmonious received, Reflections of Earth would still be playing today and it would be a much better show than it was. And it was still already a great show, but the Earth Barge was projecting like VHS-level video on something that just didn't exist. I mean, you've been in the Dallas area where they've put in projectors in your sports arenas that are infinitely higher resolution than what's on that Earth globe over the last 20 years. And you've had that put into two different arenas in that time frame. Um, Those are things that just have evolved over the last 20 years. And something like that would be a marked improvement to it. But yeah, yeah. It, Having said all that, here's here's my takeaway that may surprise you. Uh oh, I believe Epcot that the, Forever
1: is better. Epcot Forever. For, I knew it.
0: We, I knew we, it. No, 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 no. Let, let me let me say what I'm going to say because I think it will surprise you. We have talked about future show topics uh, behind the scenes, and one of those future show topics is what is the best version of each park. It is not an unreasonable argument to say that as uh, of December 5th, 2023. This is the best version of Epcot. Is this our last episode? Well, I said that without Josh on there, uh, so, so I, I had the stones. To say that. And I'll de- I'll defend that this way. There are certainly better versions of many of the pavilions, better versions of the fireworks show, but the ask is, is the difference between luminous and reflections of Earth, which is a substantial swing significant enough where it makes up for guardians of the galaxy going away and ratatouille going away. And I don't think it does. So those two things are enough to push this version of Epcot ahead of previous versions. It doesn't mean that I have to agree with that sentiment wholeheartedly, but I don't think it's a ridiculous statement. I think as much as we fought this evolution of Epcot I think it has evolved to be a better version than what we've had for at least the last 20 years, with the exception of the nighttime show. Oh, yeah. Especially when you qualify it with the last 20 years. This is I mean, t- The last 20 years of Epcot have not been great. Uh,
1: I'm trying to think. Yeah. Journey to Jerusalem at the Millennium Pavilion would have ended in 2002. So, yeah. <laughs> that that – yeah. So, you – the last twenty years, I agree. If he had gone twenty-one, I would have said no. So um, I've have
0: said that like the thing that hurt me the most that has been removed from Epcot has been Reflections of Earth, and there may be a recency bias there, but for me that was the nail in the coffin to how my or what I've absolutely loved historically over Epcot. That being said, Reflections of Earth and Horizons were never running at the same time, to my to my knowledge. So, like, there's no version that has reflections of Earth, horizons, imagination, you know, uh, like, the things that we all kind of harken back to. So, the, if you wanted to pick and choose, like, all right, if you could put horizons in place, mission space, and have an updated version of horizons, and you could have reflections of Earth, and then you could have Ratatouille, and and you could do that great, but that that doesn't exist. The passage of time has made some of these things open, some of these things close. So that's where I go back to what I just said, that as of December 5th, 2023, we could conceivably be in the best version of Epcot.
1: I'm just glad you finally came around on this. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would agree that this is it, it, it kind of sucks that the reason I enjoy this version of Epcot more than any past one is because of attractions that are not classic Epcot. So that, that does, I guess that is your qualifier on there of like the reason this is the best version is because of a indoor roller coaster and a trackless ride system based on a cartoon, um, that we just would have not seen 20 plus years ago. Uh, uh, it wouldn't have necessarily even been an option. You know, that was during a time period where they're like, "We're going to replace Horizons with a uh, attraction where we're going to partner with NASA, as opposed mm-hmm. to uh, we're going to do a Wally uh, <laughs> space attraction." But I mean, like Mission you Space
0: know. was the replacement. Mission Space is befitting of Epcot. It's yeah. just not as good as what it replaced. No, and no, I, it, that's it just a hard tw- thing to say as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's just twenty years ago they wouldn't have thought of. I mean, Guardians and Ratatouille would have never. I don't feel. Options even it was it was like pulling teeth to get Frozen put in there.
0: Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't like the idea that Frozen's in the park. I actually think Ratatouille fits the park more. Oh, I do but, too. I do too. I mean, there is a level of whimsy with Ratatouille that like, and we we kind of use this to just, just talk about Epcot in general. That like, you take the IP out of it if the movie didn't exist, could we tell a story as loose as it is in the ride itself of a rat in a French restaurant? going through, like, a, a wild mouse chase type thing. Yeah. And, and if, yeah. if that was the pitch and Ratatouille didn't exist, would be like, all right, that's a little, you know, weird, but is it any more ridiculous in Imagination or, um, uh, like, not Body Wars, uh, Cranium Command? Like, those things were all part of Epcot as well. Epcot has had its fair share of whimsy, so yeah. I don't think that's crazy. I think with Guardians of the Galaxy, that's absolutely a familiarity play with those characters. They they could have done a better job with the narrative, but again, we go back to the ride is so damn good it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah, if they could just hide the show building somehow,
1: it is hidden. I don't. I've never seen it.
0: Now, do you want to get into uh, your ports of call? <laughs>
1: Uh, no, I was too drunk most of the five days to remember the ports of call. So, uh, <laughs> I think my kids swam with dolphins at one point, but I'm, I wasn't sober enough to <laughs> you know. You may
0: have hallucinated that. I
1: might have, <laughs> but, uh, you know, when you pay for the drink package, you got to get your money's yeah, worth. Yeah, you got to get your money's worth. Absolutely did. So.
0: <laughs> Why don't we wrap it up here? We're going to be under two ho- two hours, which nobody predicted. But if you have any questions or topic ideas, you can email us at martycall you can also follow us on X under the username at Marty or join in on the discussions in our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash Marty Called. We'd also appreciate it if you rated and reviewed the show on iTunes. None of you are doing that, and I know you guys are capable. It helps spread the word on the show and drives all of our international traffic. Ben, where can we find you online?
1: Some people rate us and give us some good reviews on there. We'll read them on the show. We, we've yep. done that before in the past. It's fun. <laughs> Get cute with it. We don't re- just give us the five star and then put whatever crap you, you want to you in want. there. Yeah, it's it's a free <laughs> it, it's a free shout out on the show. So if you want to have some yep. fun, go give us a five star. If you do that, we'll read whatever you type as the review of the show. Yeah, there were shout
0: outs on this on um, this show, but you had to hang out with me for like an hour. So Yeah. Yeah. This is a much easier way to do that. Like yeah. if you think I'm unbearable on the podcast, just imagine hanging out with me in person. Hey,
1: you can go create new fake iTunes accounts just to do yep. this over and over with. We won't we won't ask questions. Just go yep. give us a five star and then whatever you write will be repeated on this show. And if um, you got a
0: funny username, even better. Even
1: better. Uh, So, uh, outside of that, though, you can find me on X at backside underscore water.
0: You can find me on X under the username at infernobard because I will never give it up. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good one.
1: Josh is never coming back to the show after your Epcot comments. Not at all. Nope.
2: from his trip it's time to record the show it's never fun he rambles on but at least i have my bro but what is this a text just came in josh has cancelled an hour before the show now i'm all alone again all alone again for tim's trip report tim's trip report This was our job. Our job. Our show. Our show. But Joss has gone away. Tim just keeps going on and on. On and on. I try to pretend like I'm listening, but I'm really just on my phone. On my phone. I'm still here alone. Here alone. For Tim's trip report. There's no place for me to hide anymore, and Tim's stories are just getting longer. Nobody cares about your expensive meals or riding guardians with your stepfather. Now it's a 40 minute story about the TTC, will this ever end by gonna have to pee? I'm alone again. again. For Tim's trip report. Tim's trip report. This was our job. Our job. Our show. Our show. But Josh has gone away. Tim just keeps going on and on. On and on. I try to pretend like I'm listening. But I'm really just on my phone. On my phone. I'm still here alone. For Tim's trip report, trip report. I'm still on my own, on my own. For Tim's trip report, trip report. I'm all alone. For Tim's trip trip report. trip report.